Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. My show is about facilitating personal growth each week by involving you in conversations with people that I admire, knowing that all of our contributions matter. I am a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I am EMDR certified and a Reiki level two practitioner. I have offices in both Los Angeles and New Orleans, and to find me, you can go online to nolatherapy.com, which is the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy.com. I want to take just a few moments in acknowledging the passing of Prince today, which deeply saddened me as I grew up listening to his music. And when I saw the post on Facebook, I, I felt so sad and grieved. And I've just taken some time as I've run errands to just be thoughtful uh, for his family and friends and loved ones and him and just his contribution to to so many of our lives through his music. And, and just I went to the grocery, they're playing his music at the gas station. So I just want to take a moment of silence for Prince and his family. Thank you. So I want to move right into the show because today is a very special show for me. I have my cousin coming on in a few moments, Dr. Sarah Larson. She's a medical doctor. And beyond that, she is an amazing woman that I have grown up with and been very close to from when we were little girls. Her parents came from Pakistan and lived with my family when they first immigrated. So I grew up with her parents and her and her younger sister and older brother. And her parents had businesses in the French Quarter of New Orleans. And it was a different time. 30, 32 years ago, we were children, 10, 11, 12, 13, running around the French Quarter in between her family's businesses, running errands for them, something that wouldn't be as safe nowadays. And I just have such fond memories of Sarah. And, you know, we got older, our lives kind of separated us for a few years. We've always come back together. And, you know, after her, her, you know, MD education, she has gone on to be just a prolific medical intuitive. She's a psychic medium, an international speaker, just back from Egypt for her second trip, bringing people to tombs to do ceremonies and prayers um, and and speaks around the world. She's a palmistry uh, practitioner. And on YouTube, if you look up Dr. Sarah Larson, she has over 275,000 views for instructing and giving seminars on palmistry reading. So I'm going to bring her on. And I just want to acknowledge, as I've been preparing for the show, our grandmother, our father, our fathers have the same mother, Dadi Yama, which is grandmother in Urdu. And since I grew up uh, in a 50-50 type cultural family, father from Pakistan, mother Irish, redhead from New Orleans, and I did not learn to speak or do like Sarah and my other cousins. And our grandmother, Dadi Ma, came from Pakistan and lived with me also, and my parents and my mother's parents, Mimi and Pop, and they all raised me and they all raised us in this really beautiful multicultural home where, you know, we practice Islam, we practice Christian Christianity, we shared meals. It was just such an amazing time. And Dadi Ma was a psychic medium. She was a community leader at the time in India where she was born, which later became Pakistan, and um, raised Sarah when she was born prematurely in Pakistan. And just the language barrier never affected our relationship. And I felt her in my home. I felt her in my work since I've moved to Los Angeles and live in between. And so Sarah, we're going to talk about all this. Will you please bring on Dr. Sarah Larson? Lisa, I'm 
so happy to be on air with you. And, and I am literally wiping tears from my eyes. I am too. Feel... It's very special. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, our grandmother, Dadima, would cry all the time. She'd cry with joy. She'd cry yeah. with, um, whenever she'd see us, she would just, there were happy tears coming out of her eyes. And whenever she got to see us together, which is because even though we lived in the same city, once we grew a little bit, we were all over the place. Yeah, we, we have been. Um, we have been all over. And um, so I can just feel her happiness and just the love she has. And I'm so proud of you and the work that you're doing. Thank you. As well. It's just, amazing because we've been on such a journey of healing yeah coming for me as um an immigrant child an immigrant child and you in louisiana as a multicultural marriage uh, the product of the multicultural marriage which was in the south back then was not the easiest thing either it was not i remember that yeah. Yeah. And so it's such great vibrations to experience this. And that, um, there's, there's so many amazing secrets that our grandmother taught me, taught yeah. us, and who she was. And um, it's such a beautiful thing because uh, her life, and I just think of right now is Prince has transitioned the music artist Prince that was once called the artist formerly known as Prince that Prince yes you know their Vavima's life Prince's life the person who's listening your life my life there's so much power in it our grandmother was extraordinary in a land that was not the easiest for women to be extraordinary. And, not at all. And <laughs> Prince was extraordinary in the music industry, and you know, just such a way maker. And yeah. Lisa, you were such an amazing way maker in the communities that Thank you're you. part of and the way in which you've crafted your life and your message. And then Thank our you. listeners to be amazing and wise enough to listen in and know there is some great, amazing secrets that are coming for you in this podcast and this radio show. Yeah. You know, and speaking of that, I didn't even, to our listening audience, you do so much. You, you're you also a, a talk show host for your show, Miracle Makers, on UBN Radio, which is such a beautiful show you host with your husband, Greg Larson. And I know sometime you have guests on. So I'm curious as to what direction you'd like to go in today with our show. I'm open. What do you feel is is intended? Oh, as, I, as we're talking, I'd love to share our stories a little bit. Yeah, And then I'd love to share how one person can truly make a difference. And our, our grandmother was a love bomb, or she was just such, so full of love. Anyone that walked into her environment would be drawn to her. And um, somehow in her presence, whether she was speaking to you or not, what you really loved was drawn out of you and you found yourself being led to follow your own dreams. And mm-hmm. I think that's why a woman that was born um, early 20th century, maybe even late, late 19th century. Wow. I believe it would have been 20th century, but we weren't given birth certificates. That's what, yeah. When we were <laughs> I did not know that, that you did not have a birth certificate. My father, your father, no birth certificates. You're just born. Wow. We're just born. And the celebration of the the sacredness of birth is celebrated. And then along the way, some of the markers for women, one of the markers is um, their period. And our grandmother was married 
when she started her period, as was my mom, as was I, um, in, in Pakistan, married when we started our period. Okay. Babima, and I, I know that you might not know the story, but the first story of Babima and our grandfather, Zabibu, um, they got married and they were... 12, Babima was 12, Nadabu was 11, and mm. they were out playing in their father's field, the farm field, okay. and um, they had no idea what sex was. They had no idea of anything, and Babibu, the first like contact with, <laughs> with his wife, Babima was to pull her hair braid, and okay. um, that was their first, like, even though they were put in the same room yeah. to sleep and have, um, they never spoke in that space. She didn't know what to do because she was 11 years old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and Daddy, yes, and they, were, they were so young and he pulled her braid and that was their first interaction in their love story. And they were married. Can you imagine being married from 11 to 12 years old. No, but that was, that's and the then, culture with arranged marriages and so young back then in that time. You know, it was the cultural norm. And age appropriate that Dadabu pulled her hair. That's that's typical for a 10, 11-year-old <laughs> to flirt. So perfect developmentally. And uh, developmentally so perfect and so uh, such innocent. And we've... Um, so... Of course, they didn't have birth certificates. Those were mile markers. Those were rough ages. Your dad, quite amazing. I don't know if you know this story about your dad. Your dad came in first in medical school. Before you get into med school in India or in Pakistan, I think back then it would have been India, you take a nationwide test. And only the top people get into med school. So your father took the test, and this is the story that's been relayed to me. Everybody's name was published except for the top person. Oh my and the, um, your dad had studied for months and months and months. Dadabu and Dadima had worked to get him all the books and the education and everything he needed, and his name did not appear on the second to whatever the last place was for getting into med school. Yeah. And so everybody was really, really upset. And then the next day on the cover was the name of the person that made the first, you know, got first place, the highest placement possible. And that was your dad. Wow. Wow. That's very emotional for me to hear. I'm not surprised. (laughs) I do know that that my father, when preparing for that exam, that there was no electricity in in their village. And Dadi Yama would sew tents. Like our our grandfather, Dadabu, was in the military. She would sew clothing out of old tent scraps that they would sleep in. And my dad would walk a mile to the nearest electrical light at the train station to study because he wanted to be a doctor. And that was constantly imparted to me. You know, and I think you too, through your parents about our work ethic and how, you know, in America, we are blessed and we have so much and we take it for granted so often and easily. And I was constantly brought up with this awareness of, you know, I did this so that you could be born in America and have every opportunity to do anything and be anything that you want. And so it's been a driving force in my life, that story. I didn't know that he was number one and published later. So thank you for telling us that. Oh, you're so welcome. That's the story, the way it was um, shared with me. And it's it's amazing because I know here, um, I, I've heard my husband and others share the story of how their parents would tell them stories of walking uphill in both directions. You know, school was two miles away and we walked uphill in both directions sort of stories. And that one of the commonalities I think that we have in all traditions and in all cultures, our parents and grandparents truly sacrificed for yeah, us. They and did. They, this is they and they valued that they sacrificed because they were driven by the love of 
their children or giving to the next generation. They did whatever they could, whatever they could give. They felt um, whatever they had to give. They gave it the best way they possibly could out to the people around them. And it was their way of growing themselves and of loving. One of one of the things that we quite often hear is, you know, I wish my parents would have done this, or I wish my grandparents would have done mm-hmm. this. That's something that I hear from people that I work with all the time. And one of the things that really comes across after a short period of time is it was our parents' responsibility to raise us so far. And it's our responsibility to raise ourselves the rest of the way. And if we're stuck in a moment that we have no power in, meaning if we're stuck in a story in the past, then we're not raising ourselves in the current moment. And Can you say more about things. that? Yeah. Sure. That's one of the things that... I think our society here that we're working with is really wanting to transition out of. Uh-huh. So many stories, so many people have come and shared, oh my gosh, I, my mom was a single mom. My dad was never around. Right. If only my dad had been around, then I could be the person who I was meant to be. And or their mom had been um, very, very strict. And they hold a belief system. And this belief system of their parents, if their parents had been different, then they would be different. Right. If life was different, they could be different. Yes. Giving their power away. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Give their power away to the past. Or the current or the current situation, I think, too. Right. Or the current situation, rather than seeing, wow, that did happen and it it could have been different, but it is what it was and it made me who I am today. And if it's possible that that, uh, that I can be responsible for that, how it shows up in my memory now. I can raise myself to the next level. Another way to say that is I'm not limited by what my parents did to me or who they were. I'm only limited by what I believe I can do now. Yeah. I think that takes... when you truly believe you can do anything, when you truly get, and understand, you can really do anything. That's what. That's what. It, that's when you start raising yourself. Uh, so you start growing yourself. Is there a connection between this that you're saying and kind of your own path and and your journey to being a healer to spreading the messages that you were spreading around the world? Um, there is, you know, I, I was born in Pakistan, I was mm-hmm. between two cultures, and it was really, truly kids of immigrants that come to the U.S. or come to any land, whether they're living in, you know, so many are immigrating to Europe now, so many to Australia and Brazil, so many different regions. When you travel to those lands from another country, you're no longer at home, quote unquote, in your own country. And the new country, you're not yet at home in until you claim the culture, the traditions of both lands and make them your own. But my own personal story, I was, um, and I, I know you went to the wedding, I was married at 14. Yes. To a 28-year-old doctor. Yes. And days before, we were running around in the French Quarter being little kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, going to the river, eating taffy. Yes. And carriage rides. And then, <laughs> a, 
<laughs> the flea market, a I couple, remember. Yes, and then a couple weeks later, as a someone who just started her period, as someone um, and just being a kid without any traditional cultural training into a marriage mm-hmm. at 14 to a man that's 28 years old, expecting a proper wife and um, from 14 to 19 sort of living this alternate type of surreal reality where he's wanting to save his family's honor by having a marriage that works and a little girl be a woman that can behave properly in um, appropriate settings. And from 14 to 19, using really um, first loving tries and then moving into really harsh ways, like if you don't behave, I'm going to give your grandparents an injection or the people that I care for, that you care for, I'm going to hurt because you're he, the doctor, is so desperate to have a wife Right, and a relationship that works because the marriage, the worst thing in the culture, even in the 80s and 90s, is having a divorce. Right. It's sort of the worst part. It is. Yeah, very taboo. Your sisters can't get married. You can't get work because you've shamed your family's name. Your younger younger people can't be provided for because you're no longer considered an honorable family. Yeah, there's so serious consequences. Night, serious at 19 and left for dad. And it's my mom's grandmother who I wake up to in the hospital and she's saying, oh my God, dear daughter, what have you done to our family name? Mm-hmm. And from 19 until... I meet my current husband, Greg Larson, I'm on this journey of trying to recover from this horrific experience and looking for ways to feel whole and to feel loved by the family and to contribute something to society that's of value. And as and just so blessed that somehow I get into the third best med school in India. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I laugh at that because, um, uh, you know, from 14 until uh, I met Craig, I, I really didn't sleep. I'm in trauma most. The trauma, yeah. And our, our grandmother tries to help and your dad tries to help. And other family members really try and help, but there's not a lot of relatability factor because they grew up in a different time and a different frame, and there's very few people that know what that kind of experience is like. And so yes. it's from med school and being in India, there's this journey of healing and a journey of giving and a journey of being okay to be seen. Mm-hmm. And um, in that process, it's an amazing, you know, giving to non-government organizations later on um, as part of the team, being able to build schools and being able to do other work. But Lisa, this brings me to wanting to hear your story because I know you've never really fully heard that story. No, I have not. We lost touch and um, after that we marriage. lost touch and I know that you had your own um, so this is such a discovery phase. Your own right, for phase both of us. One, to you're six months older than I am and I know you hit some pivotal steps in the teenage years as well. So I'd like to hear your story. Yes. You know, um, 
I recall you getting married and moving on. In my family, my parents, uh, my father and, and mother Dixie went through a divorce when I was in ninth grade. It was very tumultuous, and I, I absorbed that and had you know problems in school with grades and behavior, and um, went on to live with my mother's grandparents, Mimi and Pop, mother's parents, Mimi and Pop. And um, it was pretty Mimi tumultuous. Yes, Mimi. I feel like they're yeah. here with us too. They love Dadia Ma. And yeah. it was such good times. And, um, you know, I, I struggled for a long time. And, and I started therapy when I was 21 as a client. And my therapist inspired me to want to become a therapist and help others that had experienced various hardships. And so at at my last couple years of college undergrad i pulled it together i went from failing to having like a like a 3.8 cumulative gpa and went to tulane for my masters in social work and kind of like i found my calling like i found that i meant to help people heal from trauma and from various things in life because you know you're not going to scare me clients at times wonder if they will overwhelm me with something that's painful or upsetting and i'm like i i can handle it you know so it's important yeah. i think in in your profession too that we can handle what others bring us that they need to work on in order to heal. So I feel like my life has really uh, brought me and and helped me become who I've always wanted to be. I know now before I was even born, like that I chose that path, you know, to go through those hardships to become who I am and who I am becoming. And now having this show and being able to talk to you and other, you know, amazing individuals impacting our world for the positive, like I wouldn't change any of it. Um, and I wonder I if I wouldn't you change ha- any of it I know. either. And I how think did you, how did you start with I your have- intuition <laughs> and psychic mediumship and uh, medical intuition? Like, I'm curious how Intuitive, you, uh, it's, yeah, it's such a gift because during the t- those years of um, of being tortured is a good way, 14 yeah. to 19, of being able to predict what was going to happen, being able to stay afloat or a little bit ahead of what was coming mm. was part of it. Part of it was our grandmother had taught me so many things. From like what? Like what? And thanks. So, so there are so many things from the. Um, it's when we're watching waves slap up on the ocean. When larger waves come in, you know there's something out there that's huge. So when you're at the ocean and these big waves come in, well, she yeah. taught me early on how to read energy waves. Okay. And so I could see a storm coming in wow. an emotional, in a person. And so um, I learned very early on how to calm the storm in others okay. so that it didn't result in a huge um, hurricane, is a good way to say it. And I, yeah. um, I would say, with our families and with the culture and with so much around us, there were huge hurricanes possible all the time. And Mm -hmm. that was one of the skill sets with my medical intuitive work now. And with mostly I work with businesses and work with individuals to develop out skill sets so that they're able to predict and understand when those storms are coming. And the best way to stay in the eye of the storm, rather than being caught up in the whirlwind. Okay. One of the things is really understanding and owning. It doesn't matter what happens, but it's how we respond to it. To what happens. Mm-hmm. To what happened, and so the um, the first marriage that I was in, I'm utterly grateful for because it put me on this path of being able to see and know what heaven was. I went through a period where I was in near death experiences, where I was medicating, mm-hmm. um, and near lost consciousness repeatedly during that time frame, 
And I got to connect with and see heaven, see all of these different dimensions and possibilities. And I got to meet with angels. And this is something that now I get to do on my trips as well, is I have the interdimensional lens to see things. And this is taught. This can wow. be taught. This is taught by our grandmother before even um, you know, at seven years old. I got to be with her before we immigrated to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then I got to be with her again when we moved to Louisiana. I spent the summers with her. And she taught me, like, beauty secrets, something like mash up bananas, put almond oil in it, <laughs> and saturate that through your hair. And that's going to um, repair all the dead ends. And then later in med school, I, I figured, you know, learned, oh, it's high in potassium, it's rich in fat. The oil wow. combination gives you all the protein. The science. You learn the science that she like, knew intuitively. This, that she knew intuitively. When women would come to her in the village, she would make these mixes. And I got to make the pre, like, you know, um, almond mixes for right after when they had uter- babies or things happening in the uterus. And Ayurvedic traditions and the Hippocrates tradition, which are all medical traditions, uh, um, older medical traditions than our allopathic medicine here, mm-hmm. they teach us the food is our medicine and also the power of the different foods that she like that we would prepare, like almond paste and chickpea paste and yeah. um, d- uh, date date. Soups and all of these different soups for different ailments and inspiring. And so, at like people would come, and even Mississippi. I, I know you must remember our name. The farm that Dottie and my God about Yes. <laughs> the beautiful farm that they had, and yeah. neighbors would come for Davina's advice and to sit with her. And so, American speaking, or from all over the U.S that were Pakistani origin that had heard about Dadima or Dadabu to come visit. And Dadima would make these incredible things for them and healings. And she would take her hand and read. And I consider myself a palm reader. It's more of a healer. When Dadima died, I was so sad so do you recall how many years ago that was? I could I, I couldn't pull an exact date from my memory. Was it five years? Long? Not that it matters. I was just trying to. Yeah, um, it was right after a little bit after Hurricane Katrina. Wow! So, and, so that was um, ten years ago. Yeah, it was. So yeah, we, you're right. Yep. It was right after um, Hurricane Katrina, and their house had been damaged. The family got together and we built their house first. And um, Davida was so, so sweet. She and Davida wrote me a letter and said, Please come to your daughter, come visit your grandmother. She's picked a date um, that she's going to leave us. And uh, Davida had spent a few days without Davida at home, and Davida went to the hospital. And Davina was so distraught because she, she was sad. Yeah, she was really sad. She didn't ever want to spend a day without Bobby. Without him, yeah. Without, I mean, that's just such a degree. A love story. Yeah, such a love story. From and when that when Bobby died, there were I don't know if you know this. There was a funeral in Atlanta, which had like a thousand over a thousand yes. people. Yes. Yeah. There was a funeral in Pakistan, and there was also a funeral in India. I know. Our grandfather has a school in his honor in Pakistan that my father was honored at uh, within the last couple of years that he left for, you know, his community, and and they named it after him. Yeah, my father was honored and and did the ribbon-cutting ceremony there. your dad and your brother went down and visited... when that they named the school, and so that's such a beautiful thing. 
It's such a beautiful, so, beautiful thing. And this is this is one of the key points. They were, our grandmother was one person. Our grandmother was one and Sarah, can you repeat that? You're breaking up a bit. Your reception is patchy. Did I lose you? We might have lost Dr. Sarah Larson for a moment. So I'm going to open the phone lines. If anyone would like to call in, the number is 818-602-4929. Oh, let's see. Here she is. Uh, hello? Hello? Sarah, are you back with us? Okay, we are having a little bit of technical difficulty to our listening audience. I am on. Yes, I'm aware. Okay, well, we'll wait for her to come back on. If to find Dr. Sarah Larson, you can go to her website, which is, let me just, Dr. Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, L-A-R-S-E-N, drsarahlarson.com. You can find her on Facebook and you can find her on UBN Radio, uh, ubnradio.com, her show Miracle Makers, which airs every week. What I found really interesting in researching my cousin is that she is an expert in palmistry and palm reading. If you go to YouTube and put in her name for videos, it was quite amazing. Sarah? Hi. Oh, yay. yay. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Some technical difficulties. It's in the air. It's in the air. Yay. I'm so grateful that we're sharing this Sadi Mandadabu story. You know, I was just telling our listening audience uh, how to reach you at drsarahlarson.com on your UBN radio network show, Miracle Makers. And I wondered if you could talk more about how you help clients. So if there's someone listening, wondering, is there a service available? Can you talk about what you do professionally and and how you assist? Sure. I, um, I love being able to help someone come in and be able to clarify what they need to do next in order to achieve the life of their dreams. Okay. I believe that world peace comes from each of us having our dreams come true. And uh, my biggest desire is for each of us to find our happy place. And so many people... So many of my clients come in, but they've made success in every area of their life, but they've forgotten why they're really here. Mm -hmm. And um, they want to learn how to make their needs important again, and also about what to do first. They thought, for most people, they thought all of the joy and happiness was out there in a degree, in a, in a marriage, in a um, particular house or car. When they achieved all that and they're still not happy, they're like, oh my gosh, what's this about? And that's yeah. when a lot of people come in. Some of them will already have developed like a medical condition, uh, but most people are really looking for clear guidance and ways to work and embody their life's purpose. Um, so so how do you work people, with people? Do you do individual work, group work? I'm on your website, which is amazing, with natural health, healing. You do mentoring. Um, I do. Wow. So yeah. one of, for example, this weekend, we are teaching a course in burlesque dancing and love ability for women. For myself, okay. because I had such a, a rough um, connection to 
my own ability to love. It was until we had our second kid that I could be with my husband in a right. room with the lights on and my clothes off. That whole, there we have power centers, chakras in yeah. our body. When we know how to use them, we can magnetize anything we want in our life. And so there's a class this weekend locally that we're in Los Angeles on real, burlesque in Los dancing, Angeles yeah. to burlesque dancing for women to love themselves, to really feel and connect with who they are. Most women have turned off their lovability. They've turned off their power centers, the I am presence, the I create, and their will. They might have given that to someone else. And so I do that um, work privately as well in the areas of helping women own who they truly are, the energy work, the chakra clearing work, understanding how to embody your soul's purpose, and then very, very clearly how to have the resources, whether it's money, whether it's relationships, whether it's friends and family around them, how to use their resources and to magnetize that into their lives. And so I like what you're when, saying. Go on and then I'll say, you finish. I apologize. Oh, sure. No, um, when, one of the things that I'm most passionate about is loving my clients. They're invited into my home. They're invited into the community. They're invited in. And the clients are family to me. And part of that is we belong to each other. And not everyone that I meet becomes a client, but those that I know that I can help. So we're remembering how we belong to each other and the growth and the wisdom and the dreams coming true happens really, really rapidly. Yeah. You know, when you were speaking a little bit ago about the energy centers, our chakras and how female sexuality and in and, and my work, um, I, I noticed that a lot of women come in and their lower chakras are, are blocked, you know, whereas I think for more, a lot of men, those centers are more activated, their sexuality centers and, and the upper level chakras and, and women, in my experience, tend to be more open. So I think a burlesque dancing class, things to get women in touch with their physicality and sexuality sounds like a beautiful way to work with those energy centers. And then I like how you say activate them and almost like draw to you what you want, what you need, like drawing it to you by clearing those energy centers. Yeah, it's such a beautiful gift when in a few hours you can clear all the trauma and all the beliefs that have been stored in your body and those are active and then you walk like you walk into the class, those centers are shut down. You you process them in your body. You turn the active, the energy centers on, and you walk out, and you have the it factor wherever you go. People, and you can you can harness that energy, meaning you're no longer shy to the attention that's coming to you because of the processes and you've learned how to negotiate the energy coming in your direction. Yeah. I think that's part of the reason. Yeah. That we do it through a class and a course so that you have the skill set. it's practiced. And then once it's on, it's on and you know what to do with it. That's powerful. In, in the non-spiritual community, I think what you're alluding to is what's called when you're in season, being in season, and, and people are drawn to you magnetically, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing when that happens. I think it's based on self-esteem, too, and, and how we relate to ourselves. And going back to earlier in the show, when you spoke about people defining what they can do or cannot do based on their current experience or past experience, that all affects our self-esteem and, and affects what we can attract, you know, if you don't believe or that you're good enough or attractive enough, or maybe you believe it, but you're not feeling it, you know, it, it limits our ability in the material world. 
Yeah, it's it's so true. And I, I think back to that the miracle isn't that we've created something or that we're, you know, or the miracle isn't that we finish a project. The miracle is really that we have the courage to start. And quite often yeah. we might have started a bunch of different things and we are like, oh, we started this, you started that, we didn't follow through, we didn't follow through. When that little inner voice starts saying that and you start coaching that voice to say, wow, look at you, look at you, you had the courage to start that, to dabble in this, to dabble in that, to discover who you are. And when you learned it wasn't for you, you stopped and went in a different direction. It's the same action in the first place. But the way that you're relating to it or responding to it is one in which that empowers you versus one in which you beat yourself up with it. So what and you're saying. Learning, yes. Go on. You, you finish your statement. So, oh, so basically it's really about learning how you see things. And I believe it was Wayne Dyer when you change the way that you see things, the way you see things changes. Another way to say that is everything changes when you get the corrected vision. And quite often we've lost our ability to see ourselves and to see the world. And so it takes consciousness. It takes higher thinking just a couple steps ahead of you in the direction that you're walking, someone that's a couple steps ahead of you to give you the vision to see from their perspective that allows you to be able to reach the next couple of steps in your journey. Yes. So for you, is there a uh, on your horizon for what's next for you? What what are you working towards and, and what's next? You already do so much. And I'm just curious, what kind of goal do you have for yourself and your practice? So it's such a beautiful, um, I've worked in the area of healing and developed programs for healing, which has been quite extraordinary that much of that is on YouTube, much of that is on the website, much of that I've taught. So, um, so the next thing has been money. I love teaching and helping my clients magnetize the resources that they're looking for to create the life of their dreams. So part of the what I learned is the physical dis-ease comes in because we haven't given ourselves all the resources. So right Mm -hmm. now I'm in the process of teaching and creating so that you can make your life miraculous. And that's what Miracle Makers is about on UBN Network. Your show on UBN Network, yes. The show on UBN Network, Miracle Makers. I, I literally have a great marriage. I am surrounded by friends. I get to take people that I love around the world. I take them to Egypt. I take them to Sicily. Um, we're, we're crafting a program to take people to Norway. My, we get to plant peace seeds. And there's already one in Norway. We're planting peace seeds. I, I don't want this just for me. I want everyone that comes into my life anyone that's seeking it to have this power and this ability to magnetize, to materialize the miracles that are available only to them. My miracle is going to be different from the miracle, uh, your miracle, or from anyone that's listening. And it's a skill set that can be taught. So right now I'm in the process of teaching my clients those that are working with me, how to embody their soul's purpose and to bring in the miraculous into their life and to allow 
to live in that grace and ease, what wherever they've been before. And then the next frontier that I'm moving into is addictions. Addictions. Um, well, we will have to plan addictions. another show to pick up. We are at yeah. the end of our time. I'd love to have you back on to talk about this new work in addictions. I, I would love in to. The That's future. part of my dedication to you, Lisa, is I love you so much. And I appreciate everything that you're doing so much. And I'm such a fan. So thank you. <laughs> I Thank love you, you too. And me. I'm so glad to be connected with you again in Los Angeles through our work and the healing community. And to our listeners, Dr. Sarah Larson, L A R S E N dot com. How else can people reach you? Is that the best way or do you have a preferred way? That's uh, I've, got, Wait, I'm sorry. I've got a newsletter. Yeah, I've got a newsletter that I'd love. And I'm just about to finish typing up this one, which is. The newsletter is going to go out in just a little bit on how to be interesting, um, which is so such a fun topic. And we just did an interview with Matt Kahn. I've got a newsletter that we send out great tips. I love to give, give, give. So I've got a lot of great gifts on my website. And then email me. And if I can help you uh, and I have time to create that, I am so happy to help and create so Thank email you, from my website. Yes. You're so welcome. And I'll just speak to you, you soon. Love you too. Bye-bye. That concludes today's show with Dr. Sarah Larson. Next week, I am with Catherine Woodward Thomas, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's a New York Times best-selling author of two books. One is Conscious Uncoupling, and we will be talking about really important points having to do with how your current relationship starts, where your last one ended. Additionally, how you can go through a breakup growing growing and healing instead of experiencing it as a rupture of attachment, which, which a breakup is. And her second book, Calling in the One, Seven Weeks to Attract the Love of Your Life, Utilizing Self-Study Exercises, Journaling, and Meditation. I will see you then. Bye-bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir. 